Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST34, the Minutemen EP Project Mersh. Another record kind of in the progression of Minutemen evolving over time. This is another unique, deliberate, different sounding record for the band. So very interested to get into this. I had one thing that I wanted to mention at the outset, though, Brent, if you don't mind. I've got three spiels, so you go first. Whoa, okay. Okay, well, I only have a mono spiel. Okay. I wanted to mention, since we're talking about the Minutemen, I don't know if you've heard of these, but you know uh, Mike Watt, he plays with a number of combos these days. He plays with uh, that Italian band. He put out that Big Walnuts Yonder. He plays, uh, he's got a backing band called The Second Men. The band that I saw him play with about a year ago was called The Missing Men. And they were playing kind of, I guess you could call it like a Minutemen, almost like a tribute set. But anyways, I tracked down Mike Watt and The Missing Men. They've actually got two 10 inches out. Okay. They're both on... I guess you would call it like Anger Records, A-N-G-R-R. And they're all Minutemen songs, both of these 10 inches. And they're really well done. I mean, if you were going to have a modern tribute with an actual Minuteman on the record, these are pretty good uh, little 10 inches. The first one has got like the Big Foist, Retreat, my Heart in the Real World, Spillage, Politics of Time, World According to Nouns. And then uh, the second one has got Bob Dylan wrote Propaganda Songs, One Chapter in the Book, Fake Contest, one of my favorites, Beacon Sighted Through Fog, The Tin Roof, Life as a Rehearsal, This Road, and Polarity. Basically, classic Minutemen songs done by Mike Watt with his backing band, Missing Men, who also did that... Uh, record with him, his most recent one, I guess, the punk rock opera, The Hyphenated Man, which I really enjoyed. And uh, do you know the the guitarist and drummer in The Missing Men? No. So the drummer is a guy named Raul Morales, okay. who used to, used to play in a band called FYP. I know them. Yeah. And uh, Tom Watson on guitar, who is from Slovenly. Okay. Are these live? You know, they, they're not, they don't sound like they're in front of an audience, but they do sound like they're live takes. Okay. So anyways, kind of cool. Definitely related to the Minutemen. Modern Minutemen tribute, kind of a double 10-inch set. Uh, you have to buy them separately with Mike Watt. It's good stuff. Let me hear your spiels. I got some record spiels too. The new Earthless. I'm just bringing it up because I think we've talked about them before. We maybe were talking about Mario Rubalcaba. We were talking about how Keith always gets to play with Wicked Drummers or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the new Earthless is called Black Heaven, and it's really good. It's a little bit different. Half of the album, or maybe even more of it, has vocals, which is new for that band. And uh, I prefer the instrumental stuff myself. There are, like, the title track. The album's called Black Heaven. And the title track is just a total, total fret melter. Their guitarist, Isaiah Mitchell, is just just a, a madman. So I actually got a new record with Mario on it too. And this will illustrate 
you know, your yours and my preferences or leanings because I don't really seek out Earthless myself. That's not really stuff I'm into a whole bunch. But I did get the new Hot Snakes, and it's killer. It is pretty good. And that's way more up my alley. So yeah. what else you got going on? I got that Mesthetics album. And? It's pretty good. It kind of goes back and forth between, like, rippers and kind of atmospheric songs. And that's Brendan Canty and Joe Lally from Fugazi. On It's an instrumental band on Discord, right? Yep. Anthony Pirog is the guitar player, and he's a real shredder. It kind of reminds me of, like, you know, some of those instrumental bands that you and I like, like uh, Removal or I think Stinking Liza Veta we've mentioned before. I don't know. Are you into Turing Machine? No, I'm not familiar with them. Kind of reminds me of them a little bit. Bushman's Revenge, do you know them? Nope. Yeah. It's really good stuff. You'll like it, I'm sure. Okay. It's on the list. Okay. Uh, the third thing is I just wanted to mention a... A message we got from a listener, Clark Dan, reached out on... Right on. Yeah, he reached out on SoundCloud. So, Dan's not happy... Well, I don't know if I should say he's not happy. He disagrees with our assessment of uh, the Stains album. <laughs> Whoa, that's going way back. Yeah, we, well, we get knocked a little bit for not really digging that album. Some people <laughs> really like that album. And uh, Clark's one of them. So he mentioned on our SoundCloud that he saw uh, DC3 play around L.A. when Caesar was in the band from the Stains and playing bass. And then apparently later, Robert Becerra joined DC3. I think he's on the live album Vita. I don't think he's on any of the studio albums. And he says Des would put his guitar down and they would play Stains songs and Des would sing. Hmm. That sounds cool. Yeah. I can't remember. We weren't really harsh on the stains we just didn't think it was super remarkable and and as i recall we kind of tried to rationalize it as a time and place thing like it it wasn't one of our foundational hardcore records when we grew up as a kid so it didn't really wasn't part of our dna as much as it was as maybe clark's dna right yeah i mean i think he acknowledged that i think he started his post by saying like Look, I know you guys aren't from L.A., but you're wrong about this album. <laughs> so I'll, t I'll take it. You know what? Uh, that That's part of what I love about this podcast, about uh, talking about music with people, is uh, getting turned on to stuff and, you know, just hearing people out about their opinions and stuff. You mentioned DC3. That was, uh, was that the last episode we did? Yeah. Okay, so we just listened to... This is the dream in the previous podcast. You loved it. I think I was a little cool on it. You encouraged me to listen to it again. Yeah. And I did. And, you know, I don't think that is going to be a favorite of mine. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you said it like, I, you know, we love getting messages from people, good or bad. So keep them coming. Right on. Should we get into Project Mersh? I think that is a capital idea. Let's do it. History lesson, part one. All right. So for those who don't know, we have to get this out of the way right off the bat. Project Mersh, this is the Minutemen attempting to do kind of more traditional songs. They still totally sound like the Minutemen, but kind of verse, chorus, 
with fade outs. It was encouraged by Joe Carducci in particular, who produced it with the Minutemen, to try and get it on radio. And not so that they could become like U2 or anything like that, but so that they could get it on college radio, um, which was a good medium for getting more exposure for your band back in the day when there was no internet or any of the the platforms that this podcast is on. So it's a different record, different sounding record. It's a progression in their sound, but it still totally sounds like the Minutemen. And the term Mersh. Hey, Ryan, I got it. Hold on. I got it right here. Got what? The term, the terminology. You're going to define Mersh? Okay, later. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm Mike Watt is because I looked it up in the glossary of Pedro speak. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Well, there is one online, isn't there? Well, I don't know, but I have the long box version of Ball Hog or Tugboat. Maybe they all came with this. I don't know. I think you have the vinyl, so you'll have, maybe you know if it's in there, but the long box CD did. It came with a separate book of the glossary of Pedro speak. Mersh. You ready? Ready. Commercial. Yeah, I know. That's all it says. Oh, I know you know. Mersh is short for commercial. Yep. And uh, I'm just trying, I'm actually just looking in my, I don't have the long box of that. I have the vinyl, the double LP on blue, which you bought for me. You probably don't even remember that. I don't, no. Yeah, you bought that for me one year. It's right here on the one side of the sleeve. Here we go. Oh, I haven't... Uh, I don't even know if I've ever looked at this. Oh, there's some good ones in there. Is it on both sides? No, it's just on one side. Very cool. Well, everyone should check that out. We should definitely post that. Yeah, we will. I wonder which uh, which will show up best online through a picture, yours or mine. Well, mine's a book. Yours is just a page, right? Yeah. Here's one of my favorites. Rehearsal. For actors and actresses, not band people. <laughs> <laughs> Band people don't rehearse. Band people don't rehearse. They jam. Econo. That's right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is the Minutemen's 10th record. It comes out shortly after uh, Double Nickels, also after Politics of Time, which came out right around the time of Double Nickels. It came out on New Alliance Records. It was New Alliance number 17. It's going to show up couple of years from now as sst 277 the politics of time well i can't wait for five years from now when we get to that one because i really like that one <laughs> me too i can't remember whether politics of time is on the post merge compilations earlier than that uh around because this politics of time doesn't show up until 277 maybe one of those project merge compilations come up before uh, yeah maybe Interesting, though, uh, about this record, it was intended to be Mersh, commercial, to get on radio. And uh, there are a number of quotes, and it even it's even mentioned in the We Jam Econo documentary about how it sold about half as much as Double Nickels, which they called their art record. And I, I don't know, I don't know what you think, Brant. I mean, we'll get to it in the uh, the history lesson part two. I've always really liked this record, but there's a there's a couple of songs on it that are really, really critical for me, and then the rest are kind of okay. Like, it's a good record, but there's a couple that are really killer, and then the rest wouldn't stand up to double nickels for me anyways. 
Yeah, I've always loved it. I'd say it's my next favorite thing, next to double nickels for me. Okay, well, that's cool. Anyways, it's a very interesting record. It's kind of, I, I'm pretty sure it's their last EP anyways that they put out. I think that the last actual record is Three-Way Tie for Last, which would come out, I think there were a couple of singles after this EP, and then Three-Way Tie for Last, and then that's it for the Minutemen, tragically. Yeah. So I don't know what I don't know if you have anything else to mention, Brent, but I'm ready to go into uh, history lesson part two, actually, because there's some cool stuff to talk about there. Let's do that. History lesson part two. All right. So right away, when you pick up Project Mersh, you can't help but notice the the artwork on the front. I think that's a good place to start because it continues the thread of like Mersh or commercial and trying to get on college radio for more exposure for the band. It's a, it's a D Boone drawing, three guys in an office, like record executives there. You know, it's clear that they're kind of toiling away in the office, smoking cigars, trying to figure out how are we going to break this band? Uh, it has a note on kind of a, a, a sales chart there. And it, uh, it mentions the Minuteman on it, but then it's got the caption, which is pretty, I've always really liked this one. Mike Watt mentions it in We Jam Econo as well. It says, quote, I got it. We'll have them write hit songs as though it were that simple. And uh, I've always yeah. really liked that. It's a great painting. Yeah. Do you, uh, so there are three guys in the painting, obviously, the executives, right? Yep. Do you see anyone else in the painting? I want to test you on this. Do I see anyone else? Yeah. I wonder if you can see any other figures or, or images in the painting well there's some kind of faces under the word project Mersh. is that what you mean yeah i've always thought that it's like they almost look like mummies or ghosts or something like that and it looks like there's at least three faces there yeah and i i don't know if i was just curious whether you've ever noticed that as well what i did notice is uh this mike watt looking guy that's uh, got the pen in his hand yeah. He's drinking black coffee. Yeah. See the bars on his cup? Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Good one. Well, I think they're all three are drinking black. Well, no, his is dark. His is darker. I'm pretty sure those are the black flag bars on his cup, though. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. That's a good yeah. That's a good catch. Nice one. These guys are pretty frustrated, though. <laughs> yeah. They just yeah. they just need someone to write some hit songs. Yeah. Turning over to the back, there's a number of photos, which I believe D. Boone uh, put some paint on, like kind of colored on them. Yeah. Uh, a Kind of a gig shot, them in a bowling alley. And then there's one in the middle that is kind of untouched. This is along the top, the black and white ones, just of D. Boone. Always notice how much the guys in the Minuteman in photos are always wearing shorts, hey? Yeah. I love that uh, Meat Puppet shirt that Mike Watts wearing in that picture. Yeah, that's so Meat Puppets, that shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I love in that picture is that bass. It's um, It's got, like, P-bass pickups, a jazz pickup. It's one of those funky 80s... Is that the Thunder Broom? I, it, it's probably one of the many <laughs> Thunder Brooms. <laughs> It, that when I see that picture, it just makes me think of the Firehose album Ifen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's I was gonna you. You stole my Thunderbroom. 
<laughs> it might all Babu. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, maybe you can tell too, but obvious, I mean, to me, that looks like an aftermarket bridge on there too at the back. Like, that thing is massive and ugly. Yeah, it's pretty big. D Boone's rocking the telly. That looks like the uh, Ed Crawford telly. Same color. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and Georgie's got a clear blue drum kit, kind of yeah. kind of Robo esque, I guess. Photos by uh, a number of people. Naomi Peterson appears twice, and a couple other people. Ron Gregorio, Gregorio, I should say. Uh, I'm gonna butcher these names: Murray Bowles and Katsuhiko Seki. I think you nailed that one. Probably just fans or something that sent him in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yep. Produced by Joe Carducci, we mentioned that. Engineered by Mike Lardy. That's, I think that's the first time we've heard of him. But technical advisor Ethan James right from Radio Tokyo fame, right? You know what band Mike Lardy ended up in? No. I'm going to drop two bands on you that I know you're a big fan of, so I'm surprised you don't know who Mike Lardy is. Uh-oh. Great White <laughs> and Night... And Night Ranger. <laughs> How's that for Mersh? <laughs> oh, man. That was a good one. There you go. That was a good one. Um, yeah. Mike Lardy. I'll have to look into yep. your stuff. Not. Uh, yeah. Record. How come, he, how come he ended up doing it and not Ethan James, I wonder? I don't know. I couldn't find anything like that. Like Ethan James even plays on this. Yeah. You know who else plays on it? Uh, Crane plays trumpets. You remember Crane? Yeah. That's the pseudonym for Richard Allen Krieger. Yeah, he also played on Buzzer Howell. Yeah, he's on a new Alliance band too, Tragic Comedy. Do you have that album? I do. And uh, the other one that he's on called Invisible Chains. And then a uh, there's another album that he's on, which I also have, um, by a band called The Rub, who is on um, the label run by... Uh, the guy from the urinals and a hundred flowers. What's that? Happy squid records. I think, um, someone will okay. please correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm going from deep in the recesses of my memory on that. That tragic comedy album's really good. Oh yeah. Homage to Nadia. And Dirk Vandenberg was in that band too, who took the cover photo for uh, double nickels. Oh really? Yep. That I did not know. Thank you for that. I'm going to, I'm going to have to listen to that one again. It's been eons. Actually, all of these. It's, it's really good. Yeah, I, I actually don't remember Invisible Chains being that like that exciting to me, but Tragic Comedy and The Rub stands out, um, so I'll have to check those out. Another thing, though, that Richard Allen Krieger did was he was part of the crew that put together that compilation, D. Boone and Friends, which we mentioned uh, a couple of podcasts ago because it had that band, uh, D. Boone's kind of brief side project, it has a track from that band Hammerdown on it. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's see here. Uh, photos by Naomi and a bunch of other people. There's G. Hurley, Wood Blockage. I don't know if that's George Hurley. I, I would assume it's actually his brother because otherwise they would just say George. Right. But maybe not because then they say M. Watt. Yeah. As uh, saying, giving a speech there, E. James, and then Crane. Crane's on every track. He sings on some, the ones he's not playing trumpet on. He sings on, sings backup on. 
Let's talk about the tracks, though, because the trumpet features pretty prominently on this record, actually. You know what I... So you know what I dug up, Brian? I was... Whenever I hear that song, The Cheerleaders, for some reason, it reminds me of a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I don't know which one. I don't really listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers anymore. But something off of, like, Freaky Styly or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Or Uplift Mofo. Yeah. So, for sure. It's very it's very flea trumpet-esque. Yeah. And, I mean, the pe Chili Peppers are around. I think Linda Kite mentions a gig they played together. And uh, Club Lingerie, the Chili Peppers opened up for Minutemen. It was the Chili Peppers' first show. Right. So it got me thinking about this Firehose promo disc I have called Big Bottom Pow Wow. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That is a crazy listen. Yeah. I haven't listened to it in 20 years, so I pulled it out and listened to it. So whoever doesn't... All for the way, you listen to it all the way through? All the way through, yeah. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know what this Big Bottom Pow Wow is, it's like a promo they did for radio stations. And it's Flea, Watt, uh, and Kirkwood. Kurt Kirkwood, or sorry, Chris Kirkwood, I should say. Yeah. And uh, Les Claypool. Yeah. And they're talking about, they're spieling, I should say, about uh, working the bass. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's got, they kind of put some some firehose tracks off of the the major label stuff like blaze witness revolution part two from that live ep the totem pole ep but it's also got a unreleased version of formal introduction a live one with jay mascus on guitar yeah wailing away yep it's really good i i had forgotten about that the the obscure Firehose disc of that era that I really like is Live Totem EP because they do that Super Chunk song, Slack Motherfucker, and they also do Mannequin by Wire, with two of my faves. Yeah. If I haven't listened to that for a long time either, but if memory serves, they do a really ripping uh, BOC song too. Yeah. Yeah. They do. But Cheerleaders is, it's like a laid back ditty with trumpet, and uh, it's a good track. Yeah, I like it. I like it. King of the Hill um, is just an awesome song, and they made a video for this one. Linda Kite mentioned it as well during the My First Bells podcast. Right. King of the Hill is one of my favorite Minutemen song, songs for sure. It might be my all-time fave. I just love that song. This, for me, is a, definitely a time and place one. This one takes me back to a really certain uh, period of time for me where I listened to the Minutemen and and this album in particular, a lot. Yeah, well, when I was yeah. listening to it, it took me back to a particular time and place. Like, I first heard it, a, a buddy of mine in high school, his dad had this record in the collection, and that's where I heard it first. And, oh, yeah. he, and he was not a, a punk dad. He was just a dad who had a big record collection and a lot of variety, and this was the only Minuteman record he had, and we listened to it endlessly, especially side two but we'll get to that in a minute then the next song you probably know this song better than me you're a bit more of a classic rock guy yeah steppenwolf hey lottie mama yeah i i read that that at that time um it was joe carducci's favorite band and uh so when carducci is producing this record they kind of you know put this song on there 
in honor of Joe Carducci. It's a good one for the Minutemen to do. They definitely put their stamp on it. The Steppenwolf version's slower. It's written in part by this dude, Jerry Edmonton, from Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Huh. He's the brother of Dennis Edmonton, a.k.a. Mars Bonfire, who wrote Born to be Wild. So there you go. <laughs> Holy man. You are more of a classic rock guy than I. So you i didn't even bother to listen to the original of this song i know that one what's that really famous steppenwolf song well there's born to be wild magic carpet ride the pusher those are the big ones yeah you yeah. definitely are more of a classic rock so let me ask you this this was a single i don't think this came out on an album it was hey lord hey Lottie mama was a single for them whoa man that's enough steppenwolf details <laughs> <laughs> okay let me ask you this uh, more of a classical rock, classic rock guy than me. Okay. Uh, okay. Where where do you land, jazz or classical? What do you mean? Like, if you had to pick, would you be like listening to jazz or listening to classical? Classical or classic rock? Classical music, like. I hate I hate classical music. So jazz, right? Yes. Okay. Next yeah. next question. Um, I hope you get this one. If you had to pick Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Stones all the way. Uh, I'm sorry. It's the wrong answer. The correct answer is the replacements. <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't we flip over to side two? All right. So uh, this is a one-two punch of my, some of my favorite Minutemen songs of all time. Oh, no. I have a feeling we're going to have a fight about the ballot result, but keep going. No, but take take our test and tour spiel is like a one-two punch for me for the ages. I love these two songs. Yeah, Take Our Test is good. Well, they're both good. Tour Spiel, I love the lyrics in Tour Spiel. Speaking of BOC, Blue Oyster Cult, he mentions the Spectres Tour. Yeah. Was their, like, album that came out in the late 70s. It's a really good one. Yeah, so, I mean, I love those two songs. Uh, when I was a kid and I heard this for the first time at my buddy's place, pulling it out of his dad's record collection... These are a couple. I actually, I you know this. I heard Firehose way before the Minutemen, like I don't know, grade nine or something like that. And then later on in high school, I heard the Minutemen. This was it, and it was side B of this record that hooked me in, and I started, I started diving and digging to find out more about them. Well, I will say this, Ryan. If we end up, if you're, I mean, we'll get to this in a minute. But if you were nominating Take Our Test, I would, I would vote for it just because of the coda it is it gives me the feels every time yeah oh, forever yeah. with you forever without you yeah that part yeah I know, I know man i know it's awesome you know what's interesting and i guess we should mention more spiel that's the uh the final song on side b it's like a reprise of the of of the uh of tour spiel kind of a a, a very long outro um it's kind of filler but it's cool it's cool filler. It's cool filler. I don't I don't skip past it like I do reoccurring dreams on Zen Arcade, for example. Yeah, well this is about, you know, ten minutes shorter than that, probably. So. <laughs> there is that. Uh it's interesting. A couple of other tidbits about this record though. There are no George songs on it. Which yeah, which is true. Is interesting. Uh Watt notes that like George pretty much stopped writing for this record. Um, I don't know if he was burnt because of double nickels or what, but he was done. And it's interesting that 
like there are a couple of comments from Watt, at least in um, I think it's I read it in a Wailing of a Town that book about how this is not one of Mike Watt's favorite records. Hmm. They were they were really trying to like part of the reason that they wanted to really have a shift change, not just to be Mersh to get more exposure, but also because they were kind of I think the band felt like they were getting a bit typecast as like, you know, the punk funk stereotype band. And this is what you would expect from them on their next record. So let's do something unexpected. And I mean, for me, it's a successful record. I don't know if it would like be, you know, second place to double nickels for many other people. I'm not sure it's second place for me, but it's, it's up there. It's still a good record. I could do without uh, Hey Lordy Mama, though. Uh, oh, I like that one. I, I would say, like, you know, uh, Three Way Tie for Last is way more Mersh than this. Yeah, I agree. Both in the in the production values and, like, I mean, there's great songs on there, too. Like, Price of Paradise is one of my all-time favorite Minutemen songs. But it's definitely a longer song with, verse, you know, more standard song structure. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. It's, it's just, um, like, just think about it. This is their 10th record, and they've got a few more to go before they're done. And what, I don't know. I, I was kind of gushing a bit, I guess, during my first Bells about how I just don't get tired of listening to them. But what a band. I mean, they, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible output. I want to talk about a few of these lyrics in Tour Spiel. He says... With patent leather boots on, just like Richard told me, that's either Dick Hell, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or uh, or Richard Meltzer, who they also were big fans of, I'm guessing. And then he says, another hack on the Spectres tour, I already mentioned that's BOC. And then down at the bottom, he says, context of verse 2 has changed since viewing BOC in 85 he lists the full date, February 7th, 85, at the Waters in San Pedro. Should read, I dreamed I was E-Bloom, but I woke up E-Bloom. E-Bloom's Eric Bloom, the... Yep. From uh, Blue Oyster Cult. So that I like that, and he men mentions Tom Tricoli in here, in the lyrics. Just a few interesting things. And another before we get to the ballot result and the dead walks, wax, another thing I wanted to mention that I noticed is... So... On Double Nickels, that it was published by New Alliance Music, they were calling it. This is a later pressing that I have, and mine's, the publishing is Thunderspiel. So that was interesting. I think that's probably Mike Watts publishing. Yeah. Yep. So is that on, like, the, on the jacket, or on the, the label on the wax? It's on the label, on the record. Yeah, mine is, mine says... New Alliance music, except three, which is copy copyright Trousdale music, and that's the Steppenwolf song. Yeah, yeah. Side A, the the two originals on Side A are both D Boone tracks, and then the three on the flipper credited credited to Watt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got the the dead wax in your in your hands there. I got it. I got it. Wish me luck. Uh, okay, side one. Peace in Central America, please! Exclamation point. 
That's kind of interesting. Remember, uh, Linda Kite was talking about her uh, activism for Central yeah. America. I wonder, there must be um, some politics there from Dee Boone and Linda on that. Well, we're going to get into some of that on Ballot Result. There's some good protest songs like, uh, oh, I don't know, what's that? There's a song in there I've always loved. You mean the, the double LP Ballot Result? Yeah. Right. He's talking about El Salvador and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should, should also mention the label on side A uh, is a photo taken by Naomi Peterson as well. It's a pretty famous Minutemen picture, too. They're just kind of crouched behind um, a foosball table. Always, always like that one. This is on the label? Yeah. Yeah, mine's definitely a repress because mine are just, I don't have that on mine. It's just two gold labels. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a different picture on side two. We'll have to post that as well. Yeah. Um, the side two wax says full circle. The concept becomes reality. Now deal with it. Exclamation point. All right. Well, you get to take the pictures of the of the runoff groups. That's your specialty. Those are really hard to take. Yeah. You seem to have it down to a science. I'm good at one thing. Ballot result. All right, Brent, tell me what the ballot result is. King of the Hill. No protest for me. I was going to say that actually the correct answer is the replacements, but I guess I kind of used that joke already. Yep. <laughs> well, that'll work. Um, Project Mersh, great record. There, uh, So far, there has not been a dud by the Minutemen. Sometimes you can be a real yard dog, Brian. <laughs> Look it up. Is, is that some uh, Pedro yeah. steel? Yeah. A liar? Come on. <laughs> All right, you're more of a chode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get on to the next episode. Yeah, you know what's the next episode, Ryan? I definitely do. It's got something to do with a bomb pop. What? Bomb pop. It's loose nut, isn't it? Black flag. Look up, look up bomb pop. What on Pedro or in the Pedro yeah. speak? Yeah. Bomb pop. What on the loose nut tour? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. It's going to be uh, SST thirty five black flag loose nut. One of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. I can't wait. Thanks for listening, everybody. 